Hello, everyone. My name is Jet Tattersall and welcome to the Women in Pop podcast. We have a great show for you today. But before we start, I want to fill you in on the next Women in Pop live concert. Our first show was a huge success. And on May 13, our second show will kick off at Oxford Art Factory in Sydney. It will be headlined by the wonderful Sayer with support from the equally amazing Rissa. Plus, there'll be a DJ set from Marshes. There will be two seatings at 6pm and 9pm and tickets are on sale now from womeninpop.com forward slash live. Tickets are limited, so get in now before it's too late. Now, on our show today, we have one of the biggest success stories in music for the last few years. She started releasing her music back in 2008, and in 2016, she broke through in spectacular fashion with the massive hit single, Adore. She has since had a number one album and had success all over the globe, and today she releases her new album, Cry Forever. It is, of course, the wonderful Amy Shark. Amy, hello, and welcome to Women in Pop. Thanks for having me. Oh, my God. Seriously, it is such a pleasure to have a chat with you today and have us uh, have you with us. Um Cry Forever release day. How are you rolling now with this beautiful body of work into the stereos and earphones across the world? Um, I'm freaking out a little bit just because I always do, but um, I'm so glad. I mean, there was a stage where I didn't think this album was ever going to come out and, um, you know, it was supposed to be out last year. So to think that it's finally here and people can listen to it is a little overwhelming. But I'm stoked. I mean, I love it. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm proud of it. And um, so, yeah, I'm just excited. Beautiful. Now, obviously the album's called Cry Forever. I'm going to go straight in to the Cry Forever song and I want to play the latest single, uh, Amy Shock. Please, go for it. And it plays on my mind all the time, all the time. I want to love you, but I need you to try. And I still lose it every now and then In an interview or photo shoot I could be halfway through a show and it all comes creeping in And I've sacrificed all my friends Birthdays, weddings, everything And it's heartbreaking, but this is my dream And I did it all without a phone call Or a Christmas card, you have no heart This is my way of saying don't start don't start now, I'm winning And finally happy Don't start now, I've done all the years of hard work Don't start taking what over a song um, Particularly I love how we get to the end And don't start now, I'm winning And finally happy Don't start now, I've done all the years of hard work Like, just you, your heart nail guns to your chest And your guitar It's savage in its delicacy um, how does it feel? I mean, obviously there's a song there clearly about someone who's historically let you down, which is so personal, um, but not having to deep dive into that history for you. Where did you get that desire to not just pen it down, but record it knowing that you will also be touring that song that's so personal to you? I think one of my biggest, um, I think one thing that I do that sets me apart is that sort of um, raw, um, bold songwriting, but then it's a bit of a double-edged sword because I don't really think about the aftermath. I don't really think about the fact that I'll have to play this and talk about it. So 
I kind of just think, <clears throat> you know, what's more important? Is it more important for me to be who I am as an artist and, and be true to myself? And also like, think about any, any, any other people that could relate to this song. And that's kind of how it was sold to me by my team, because I wasn't going to put this on the album. It was kind of just a real me song. Um, and I hadn't written a me song since I was like 17, you know? So I was like, I think this is just for me. And then everyone, the more people that listened to it were like, Amy, this is going to help so many kids who are in shitty situations or that are people that are crying themselves to sleep and just not, I don't know. Like there's so many, this, this, this song touches so many different feelings and emotions and topics that it's very relatable, which I didn't think it was at the time because it was just me venting. And um, like you said, I love what you said about <laughs> the staple gun, <laughs> my heart. Um, it's, it's true. That's what it's like. So I didn't really, thinking about playing it and all, the aftermath doesn't even really register with me. I just write, you know, and deal with it after. <laughs> and you do have um, that niche of writing these in- extremely savage songs but making them so comforting in their simplicity you know what I mean and actually putting a beat to it that you can smile and dance to which I'll get into as well um I guess for you as a songwriter it there must be like a huge amount of catharsis in that yeah I mean that's why I do it like that's that's the reason I started in the first place was just to document digest Um, It was just like a big therapy session. Um, And I started just writing a bunch of nonsense really when I was in high school, just in books. And, um, and then I learned guitar and I still couldn't really sing and play at the same time, but, you know, I got there eventually, but it's, it, it was just the pure love of, of um, journaling without journaling, you know? Um, And that's, that's just what, that's just what I like to do. You know, um, I, I can't write about things that aren't personal or things that aren't about me. I admire artists that can be like, Oh, I, this song's about a character that I watched in a movie or read in a book. I wish I could do that, <laughs> but it would be a lot easier <laughs> to talk about. But um, unfortunately I just, that's just not who I am. And it's kind of not even who I want to be really as an artist. Gorgeous. Now, um, with that in mind, we talked about the knockdown, but also the dancing ability. I want to get all kick drum heartbeat and play Come On. Now, Come On lyrically plays out as a mantra to keep your head up. Like there's a real shoulders back. Maybe it's because you wear a lot of like awesome tracksuits. <laughs> it's like this real head up, be true to yourself, you know, while running the gauntlet. But this one's through the music industry. And, you know, it's a savage place for anyone, um, let alone a female soloist. I imagine as you let into success, there were plenty of people trying to middle manage you and not just your music, but your style and your personality. And I just want to know, how have you navigated your way through that labyrinth to success and, you know, stayed true to yourself? Mm. 
I mean, it's, it's a working progress. Um, but I think I'm just like, I don't know. I was, I found this life a bit later that like I wasn't signed at 16. So I guess, um, I'm in my ways and I've always been pretty down to earth, uh, person. And I've always had a way of not being scared to look in the mirror. And, um, even if it's ugly at the time and, if I'm not being myself, I can kind of pinpoint that. I can I can tell when I'm not being myself and I'm not scared to apologize for it and I'm not scared to admit it to people and, and admit it to myself. You know, I, I, I'm not one of these artists that it's always someone else's fault. I'm always kind of, you know, if it is, it is, but then a lot of the times it's my fault. And I'm just, I guess, come on is me just... I had a song on my first EP called Drive You Mad and that was me kind of apologising to so many people in the past for, the, you know, just being me, maybe a complicated person. But um, Come On is more just me, hey, I'm doing my best in this world that I never thought I'd be in. I never thought I'd, you know, get get here. And it, there's so many loops I need to jump through. So it's, you know, that that's what it is. It's just me acknowledging that it's hard for me, it's hard for you, but we're all just kind of trying. Beautiful. And obviously, Come On features killer drumster Travis Barker. And you've released some incredible singles with some um, eclectic and quite impressive collaborators. Again, Blink-182, Mark Hoppers on Psycho. Uh, and most recently, Keith Urban on the beautiful Love Songs for Us, which features on the album. What is it about a collaboration that you're drawn to, that you love? Um, I'm always looking to, it's always got to benefit the song, you know, it's always got to elevate the song. And I've been lucky that the people that I have been able to collaborate with always do that. They're the level of professionalism. I never have to worry. You know, I never have to think, oh God, it's cool to have them on my song, but am I going to like what they do? You know? So, um, and I, I don't ever want to feel that. And I knew Travis wasn't going to let me down. Keith wasn't going to let me down and Mark definitely wasn't going to let me down. So, um, you know, it's just picking the right people. Um, they've all been really invested in the music. They haven't just done it because the labels forced them to. They've loved, loved the song, thrown all their weight behind the song. And, um, yeah, it's fun. I mean, I just, I, and I, I also just want to have that chemistry with someone, you know. never I never want to force feed someone my music or, you know, beg them to do it. So I think that comes across too in the, in the um, performance. You can sort of hear everyone's energy and passion for the project. Absolutely. I, I think what's really beautiful about your collaborations is that there's very much your songs, but there's still so much room through the other individuals, um, whilst at the same time not turning it into not turning it into a cheesy duet. I know that sounds bizarre, but you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's very much a collaboration where quite often you hear those and you go, oh, now it's his part. Now it's his part, you know. Yeah, that's kind of like exactly what I didn't want to do with Love Songs Ain't For Us. It was like, no, I just want a hint. I just want a hint of, of something there to elevate it. And and I just knew Keith would know how to do that with his sort of country swagger, you know? That's exact swagger. There's definite swagger. Now, with Cry Forever, um, I know that you wanted to create a body of work that was very different. Um, and you you mentioned before you you really took your time on it. Um, personally, as as a listener, you it's such an eclectic album while still being something of a whole. Is it the creature that you thought it was going to be when you set out to create this project, or has it turned into something completely different? It's. No, it's, it's, it's very, it, I mean, it took me by surprise, to be honest, because 
I didn't really know that I had started writing this album until I, until I did, you know, I, I started writing it when I was touring Love Monster. And then all of a sudden I had all these songs that were me just venting and going through the process of the last three years of, of, you know, different feelings and emotions and relationship breakdowns. And, you know, it was, I'm glad that I capitalized on those moments. So it's just love monster, but it's more current, I guess. Um, and it's, it's, it's elevated. The production is elevated. I feel like my, my songwriting is elevated. Yeah. I mean, I'm still me. It's just a different, just different stories. Beautiful. And you talked, I mean, we, I'm going back to that notion that you have this um, ability to write those sort of like very raw, heart bleeding songs with a beat. And I'm just going to play Everybody Rise. I'm not in your league, too hard. Help me make it stop. God have mercy on me. Everybody, everybody rise for you. Everybody, everybody cries like I do. I mean, this is a beautiful example. Um, we've got heartbreak and unrequited love and a little bit of a danceable mantra in this one. You do this, you kind of get this chorus of people cheering you on. In an interview about Everybody Rise, you talked about this army of broken hearts, which I love. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, I think unrequited love is such a, I mean, it hurts so much. And now, you know, it's like, it's one of those things you can't call in sick to work <laughs> you still have to um show up and it's you know sometimes you sort of end up feeling a bit pathetic about that feeling and that pain but um everybody rises a bit of tongue-in-cheek I guess um uh, like but then touching on such a brutal feeling um and yeah I do what I do like I kind of like to like people to think it's this big uplifting song when really if you dig a little deeper it's kind of depressing and, and sad girl material but that's all thanks to Joel really I mean it kind of was sounding a bit sad until Joel put those pizzicato strings in and I was like yeah I love how crazy this sounds like it's crazy and um but still very emotional so yeah that that was kind of uh that was a fun song that came out of nowhere <laughs> And some of the best, you know, dance tracks are actually songs about the worst moments in people's lives. So that was incredible. We unpack them, I know. I mean, the album is called Cry Forever. And I just want to know, what is the one track that never fails to assist in a much needed cry for you? Oh, God, there's so many that can sort of give give me a bit of a tear. There's one from um, David Gray, This Year's Love. I just like think that's just beautiful and sad. There's a song, um, you know, the Crash Test Dummies? Mm -hmm. That song does it to me. I just can't, I just, I don't know. I feel like I heard it in my childhood. You know, my parents liked it. And I just associate that with, you know, time, like that time. And, just, you know, when so many emotions come running back the second you hear a song start, that song does it to me. You, well, that one does it melodically. And also the story, it gives you three horrible yeah, stories in that song. 
Um, now, Amy, you have a stellar Cry Forever album tour coming up and people can dance publicly and near each other again. So can you tell us about that and what you're looking forward to? Yeah, this, I mean, I'm so glad that we're going ahead with it. I'm actually like my whole team were a bit nervous to tell me it had to be seated. And I'm like, I don't care. If, I don't care if we're in a park. I just want to play the album, you know, like I don't care how people... Um, how we have to do it and it, it, to be honest like the fact that people can sit down and, and take it in and be comfortable I mean I, I love that I love going to shows where I get to sit down and I think now we, we're allowed to stand up like at our seat so you know I think it's just going to be I'm going to play the old stuff I'm going to play a lot of the new stuff the new stuff is sounding so big and so great live I'm really excited to to do that we're not holding back on any of the production. It's it's looking to be a really fantastic show. So yeah, I, I'm just excited to do it again. I hope I remember how to do it. <laughs> Amy, thank you so much for being on the show today. It has been a blast. Now listeners, Amy's new album, Cry Forever, is out now across all platforms. So do get out there and buy it, stream it as much as you can. Don't forget our second Women in Pop Live show is on May 13 at Oxford Art Factory with Saya and Rissa. Tickets are on sale now at womeninpop.com forward slash live. Thank you for listening. We will be back very soon. But until then, from myself and Amy Shock, goodbye.